Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk About Death and Dying. This episode is going to be a little bit touching. So if you need to take time for yourself and maybe stop the recording or come back, um, please take care of yourself during this episode. So tonight's episode is entitled, My Loved One is Dead, Now What? So first, I want to say that I express my deepest condolence. If you are currently listening to this episode and you have recently experienced a loss in your life, I am a praying woman. I am a um, God-fearing woman. So I want to say that my prayer is that God covers you, gives you peace and comfort during this time of grief and loss. So, I want to kind of start at the beginning of the loss. You know, this is when you've gotten a phone call. And, you know, your day is going normal. You're getting ready for work, the hustle and the bustle of the day. And you get a phone call and it's that phone call that your loved one has died. And you feel like the whole earth has stopped and you can feel your heart cracking in a million little pieces and I don't know if you're anything like I am it's kind of a slow motion feeling if it's a death that you were not expecting and I know that sounds kind of strange because you can't really prepare for death but you can utilize the time that you had or maybe you had the foresight to notice certain things and you kind of used your time wisely but in those times where maybe you didn't see it coming or it came a little faster than what you thought um hearing the news can be earth shattering it can be numbing it can be painful but then you have to do something maybe you have to go to the hospital maybe you have to go over to your loved one's house to check on somebody else or maybe you have a family and you have to drop the kids off at school and you don't want them to know maybe until later or maybe until you've gotten a handle on the information and or your emotions so in the case of my aunt because that's my most recent loss so in the case of my aunt when we got the phone call um, I was on my way to work but we had as a family we had had a meeting the night before 
so some decisions were supposed to be made the next day but um the next day my aunt died so as I was preparing to go to work um after I had that moment where it just felt like everything stopped um the next thing I had to do was you know let my job know I wasn't coming to work that day and then we had to go to the hospital and when I was a teenager uh, my grandmother died and I was afraid to go into the room to see her after she died and I always regretted not going in you know I was just I was so broken up and I was crying so hysterically I just didn't feel like I could handle going in the room so here I am again at this place and I said, you know, I was scared at 17, but I'm not going to miss this opportunity. There are some things that you might not want to do that pertain to death and dying. It might be not viewing your loved one um, in a deceased or a dead state. It could be attending the funeral. It could be going into the house the first time that your loved one is not there. But I'm gonna petition to you that some things you can't get back. And I know what you might be saying. I wanna remember my loved one the way they were. I don't wanna see them how they were and things like that. But as a family, we all needed to be together. My family is really small. And, um, you know, my cousin was um, more of the caretaker, very, very close to my aunt. And, you know, you draw strength in numbers and you draw strength from other people's spirits and I just, I felt very compelled this time. I said, I can't miss it again. I can't, you know, I can't be afraid, you know, to go and see my aunt for the last time in the, in the earth, you know. So, you know, I, I went, I did, and I went. And as a family, we got a chance to, um, say our last words or say what was on our hearts at the time and um I I don't I don't really think I said anything I don't recall um saying anything I didn't have anything to say but I ended up having a very beautiful conversation with my little cousin and you know, it really caught me by surprise. Um, I went to go pick them up. And um, 
I had already saw my aunt. So I was sitting in the hallway because my little cousin, he was about 10. He's about 10. Well, he was 10 at the time. He's 11 now. So my cousin didn't, I guess he didn't want him to be in there because he was young. So I, you know, I suggested that I would sit in the waiting area with him. And as we were sitting there, he was asked, he started asking me all these questions. And he said to me, you know, I'm really surprised that you're sad because I know that you're a believer of Jesus. And I know that you believe that you know, she's in a better place. So I don't really understand why you're sad. And I'm like, wow, in my head, I'm blown away at the observation, at the insight of this 10 year old child. Please don't think that children aren't looking at you and they don't have valid thoughts and feelings, especially around grief and loss. Because in my opinion, and and this is all in my head, I'm thinking this in my head, like, wow, he hasn't, he spent time with me, but he hasn't spent that much time with me to know me like that. And I really had to choose my words carefully And, you know, my response was, you know, it's kind of hard because I know that my aunt is in heaven and I know that she is walking the streets of gold and she has her mansion and I'm very excited for her. But then at the same time, I'm sad because I miss her being here with us. So that led to some more conversation. Um, with him asking about the description of heaven and things like that and him saying that, you know, he wanted to go in and he had some last words to say. And I was I was just in awe of his courage and um, of his insight. So when you have a loved one who dies, don't try to shield the children because they need that closure just like we adults need it so I asked my cousin you know could he come in and he said yeah and 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 he spoke and he spoke very well and he said his goodbyes and it was beautiful it was a beautiful moment that I got to have with my family You know, we were all crying. We were all sad. And, um, but every, we were all together. And we got a chance to say some things in private with just us. And the hospital gave us all the time that we needed. They were not rushing us out or anything like that. But when your loved one dies, whether it's at home or in the hospital, then there are some things that you have to do. And I know that you're grieving. I know that you're sad, 
but now you got to kick it in the gear because now that business has to be taken care of. The first thing we had to do was find or pick a funeral home that was going to come and pick my aunt up. So as a family, you know, we had some discussion about that. And um, as we were leaving, uh, there was a guy, I'm assuming he was a doctor, and he was asking my cousin about, um, you know, some organs and stuff like that. And I'm thinking, well, was my aunt an organ donor? I didn't know whether or not she was or not. So, um, but because I was very ready to go, I couldn't, I, I just couldn't bring myself to go any further with that. But that was, that was interesting. So once your loved one dies, somebody has to pick them up. Uh, you you got to know what you're going to do as far as a funeral home. What funeral home are you going to? Do you have their phone number? Have you been in contact with the funeral home before? Do you know what to say? Um, so we got through that that day. Um, and then the next day, we had to actually go to the funeral home to make some decisions. You know, my aunt didn't want to be in a casket. She didn't want everybody looking at her in a casket and standing in a room and, you know, not talking and things like that. So she wanted a memorial service. She wanted to be cremated. Um, So when we got to the funeral home, there were certain things that my cousin had to answer. And then came the portion of picking out the urn. So, whomever is in your family and they're the ones making the decisions, you have to have somebody with you that is going to help you make these decisions. Um, I wanted to see the urns. I wanted to see what they looked like or how much they were priced because I had never uh, seen an urn before had never been in a funeral home um, because the last major death in my family um, I was I was a teenager I was still a child so in my family um, certain things children just aren't a part of and the adults take care of certain things so it's kind of different being on this end of now I'm although I'm still the child I'm an adult so I can be included so nobody else wanted to go and do it so I I said well I want to go so I went and I was able to uh, pick the urn for my aunt and I felt very um proud privileged um to pick her urn I know that might sound strange, um, but I I felt good uh, being able to do that, and it was really nice. And, you know, everybody agreed that it was a really nice urn. So we got through that portion. 
So then the next portion was uh, planning the memorial and what that would look like. And um, for families, for people who are not photogenic or they don't like pictures or maybe there was some damage to photos a long time ago, this portion of the journey can be difficult. Maybe there are certain family members who were not in photos. Um, Maybe we just don't have a lot of photos of the person who died. Um, So my, my suggestion is that you do the best that you can with the photos when you're doing the memorial booklet or the obituary if that's what you want to call it you do your best and you don't beat yourself up about it you don't blame you don't because at that point it's nothing that you can do you can't go back and um, for those of you who you don't like being in the pictures or you feel a certain kind of way about how you look and please please get over that because when your loved one is gone or when you are gone photographs and videos they just become much more important and they're so much more special um to help you remember, to help you remember the smiles and the laughs and the good times. Take more pictures. Save the voicemails if you can. And take video. Enjoy your loved ones while you can. So planning that memorial. Um, My mom and my sister, they are they are so awesome when it comes to um, planning events like they are they're just awesome they they're excellent at planning events and um, they did a really good job with the memorial and um, there were certain things that we tried to capture that were significant or reminders of my aunt So, for example, she um, was very great at planting flowers. So we had flowers for everyone to take away. And she loved peanuts. And, you know, she liked putting them on the tin foil pan and putting them in the oven. So everybody got some peanuts. some They're shelled peanuts. Um, Her favorite scriptures the 91st psalm and everybody I think just the family I think we just got um, bookmarks with the 91st psalm and um, so you got we got a chance to kind of do those things and um, just kind of you know trying to get the program the obituary together pictures and um, the story of her life 
in chronological order or trying to put those most important things in order. If you are a person who likes order and you want your story to be told in a specific way, write it now and update it every other year, every couple years. Write down what you want people to remember you by. Ask your loved ones to start writing what they want people to remember. Um, Because when you're grieving, your memory is not the best. You can be very forgetful. You can be very lethargic because maybe you're not eating or maybe you're not sleeping the best. And it can be a chore to try to remember things. So if you can, write these things down when you're happy, when there's no health issues, and when you're not close to death. So the memorial or the funeral is over and the repast is over. Well, the repast is um, after the funeral is when you eat dinner together as a family. So that's over and everyone has left. And maybe you're not getting the phone calls or the cards anymore. So now what? What do you do? What do you do? In some cases, you might have to start working on cleaning out the loved one's bedroom or home in some cases. Maybe trying to figure out some estate things. want to talk about the four tasks of mourning. So as I've mentioned in other episodes, um, I'm currently working on a certificate in gerontology. Um, I would like to um, switch gears in my career and work with older adults. And I got a chance to take a grief and loss class this past um, winter semester. And um, we had a textbook, it's called Grief Counseling and Grief Therapy. Uh, It's the fifth edition, a handbook for the mental health practitioner. And the author is um, William J. Wharton. So the information I'm gonna share is coming out of this text. So the task of mourning, task one is to accept the reality of the loss. So what it says is the first task of grieving is to come full face with the reality that the person is dead, that the person is gone and will not return. So we're all unique people and the way that I might do that is different than the way that 
you might do that. But that is the first thing or the first task that um, we have. Now, with these tasks, I do want to put a disclaimer on there is that they're not going to be all experienced in order, like task one, task two, task three, and task four. You can experience these things in different orders. Okay, so task two is to process the pain of the grief. And that's simply acknowledging the pain and working through it. Not trying to push it, stuff it, not trying to escape it, not trying to eat it away or drink it away or smoke it away or trip it away. Really acknowledging the pain and working through it. So you might talk about it, you might sing about it, you might paint about it, you might do a podcast about it, but acknowledging the pain and working through it. Task three is to adjust to a world without the deceased. So that talks about external adjustments, so how you function in the world internal adjustments how it affects one sense of self and spiritual adjustments how the death affects your beliefs values and assumptions about the world so if the person who died is a person that you lived with in your home how those external adjustments are Now, I don't I don't want you all to take this this comment that I'm about to say the wrong way. Um, Because grief and loss can come in different forms. Sometimes it is in death. Sometimes it may be you're grieving uh, a divorce that that's a loss or grieving the loss of a job or things like that. Um, But we had a cat. And we had him for 16 years. And he died kind of unexpectedly. Um, he had been sick a little bit, but he he died. And, um, you know, we came back home. And I remember waking up the next day and feeling like he was going to be at the end of the bed. Or looking for him around the corner because that was a part of my external adjustments was getting used to oh he's not at the end of the bed or he's not at the door or you know and I had never I didn't know what to do with that like I didn't know what was wrong with me and I, I talked to my best friend who had had animals um, for a vast majority of her life. And she just kind of talked me through that. And I really, I really appreciated that because it happened, it was happening for a long time. It took me a long time to not wake up and just look at the end of the bed and not look at the door because I felt like he was gonna come from the basement or 
not look at the window because I knew he liked watching the kids and feeling like, oh, it's 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 a, a it's dismissal time. Like the kids would be walking, and you know, you have all these things that you build with um, people. You know, your animal that is your love. You know, pets are your loved ones. They're your babies. So I never try to downplay the love that you have for your pet. Um, so that that's an example. That's that's my best example of an external adjustment. The internal adjustments, I think, are just things that are going on with you on the inside. Things that you feel and how you think about or you internalize certain feelings and you know that's 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 you your yourself and your spiritual adjustment this this can be very important and it can be critical because I think sometimes there's this questioning and you know in certain instances your faith can be very vulnerable and weak because maybe you are a spiritual person and you have a relationship with God and maybe you were praying and you were asking God to heal your loved one and he didn't and you feel some kind of way about that and what I'm learning in my grief journey with God because it's not it's not apart from God everything that we do is with God I'm prayer I'm always prayerful that I'm with God and I'm doing whatever I'm doing but in this leg of my journey There are things that I process and then there are things that I'm grateful for and then there are things that I talk to God about in reference to me and my self-care and my mental health. So... And all things, we can give it to God. The good, the bad, the hurt, the mad, we can give that all to God. And he can handle it. He can hold it. Task four is to find a way to remember the deceased while embarking on the rest of one's journey through life. That's a lot. That's big. Task four is to find a way to remember the deceased while embarking on the rest of one's journey through life. So this is where you decide day by day how to remember your loved one. One thing that I'm currently doing 
is on my phone. I have a home screen and I have a lock screen saver. And right now I have a photo of me and my aunt on my phone. Cause it's really rare to kind of have a picture where it's just me and her. Cause mostly it's, you know, all of us together. Um, so this picture is from her last birthday. And it's, I mean, there are other pe- people in the picture, but the way the picture looks, it kind of looks like it's just me and her. So um, I have it on my phone and sometimes I might rotate a picture with all of us or, you know, so that that's one way um, that I'm, I'm using or I'm remembering my aunt. Um, so every day we can choose happiness and remember the beautiful and the good things about our loved one. Now, don't get me wrong. You're going to have a day where you're going to remember something and it's not going to be beautiful. It's not going to be sweet. And that's okay because we have to remember to remember our loved ones as who they were totally as a person. Now, in my class with these four tasks of mourning, it was said throughout the book that if a person has a problem or maybe they haven't worked through all of the four tasks, that's when complicated grief can occur. So if we're actively working through all four of these tasks, according to the um, creator of the task of mourning, is that if we continue to work through, then we'll grieve properly. Um, And there's no set time on grief. There's no right way, wrong way to grieve. Um, For some people, it might be a shorter time than others, and that's okay. Um, It's just, I think... It's okay for you to gauge your own grief and you determine whether or not you believe that you are okay Um, and that you don't punish yourself for not being sad. Please don't punish yourself for not being sad. Your loved one would not want you to be sad they I mean I don't you know your loved one you know their spirit and who they were as a person and the life that they lived take all of those things in and do the grief work yourself you got to do the work Don't avoid the pain. Don't avoid the sadness. Don't avoid the hurt. If you do the work, you'll come out on the other side. And you'll be happy again. It might take a little bit longer for some. 
it might be shorter for others. But as long as you're actively taking care of yourself and others, being mindful, being prayerful, then it would be okay. I want to thank you all for listening. I hope that if you had to stop this episode that you're able to come back and listen. I hope that my experience is helpful. Until next time. Thank you.